Hello and welcome to the Aberdeen FC podcast. Here we go. Um, I would love to say that um, we were coming into this enthused and uh, full of the joys of spring in the same way we were a few days ago. Um, but um, unfortunately, today's results maybe put something of a, a damper on that, much like much like the, the, the squad. It may, may well be that everybody's suffering from something of a post-European qualification hangover, but we'll, we'll, we'll swiftly move past that and maybe focus a bit more on uh, uh, maybe a, a, a brief look backwards in relation to the season that's been, uh, and then a look forward in relation to what the, the club and the squad will require to do in terms of changing things up in preparation for next season. So, as always, joining us is uh, my namesake, Martin Clunas. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Martin. Thanks very much. Oh, do, doing better than I am at the moment. I was, um, I was saying um, before we started recording that uh, uh, I'm surprised how upset I still am about a result, which in the grand scheme of things meant absolutely nothing in terms of results and table. But uh, oh, yeah, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that um, uh, our other guest will be here to uh, buoy our mood and bring a bit of positivity to to, to things. Richard, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, that's That's been my role on this podcast since day one, basically, to, to bring the laughs and the giggles and the positivity. Um, I'm okay. It's, you could tell that that team out there today were, were spent, physically, emotionally spent. It wasn't good, and we'll spend some time talking about that, but um, you know, I don't think it should detract from the job that's been done since uh, the end of January too much. Honestly, I would say that the performances against Hibs and Hearts are much more of a concern than today losing 5-0. Um, but still, not a great way to go out, clearly. And I do feel this is kind of my fault that we're having to tackle this quite so early. Um, because personal circumstances mean that I'm away uh, next week. So we don't have time to even let it settle. We have to we have to tack it while it's still quite raw. Yeah, so let's just go ahead and pick this scab. Um, Martin... Um, was this uh, an embarrassing performance this afternoon from Aberdeen? Was it understandable given the the energy that was expended a few days ago and obviously going from the emotional highs of Wednesday night to try and rally again for what was essentially a, a meaningless game, at least in terms of final league results? Or, third option, was this a tactical masterstroke by Brian Robson in realising that uh, a Celtic team that we require to win the Scottish Cup in order to secure European group stages next season um, hadn't won in a few games and we have just provided them with the the perfect pick-me-up in order to get themselves right back into stride in advance for next weekend? Uh, Let's go for point three. Yeah, let's go for that. I mean, I suppose you could could look at it two ways. Look, you know, after Wednesday... Everybody was in a high. The players as well, you know, some drink was taken. Maybe the celebrations in terms of around the players was perhaps a little bit too much. You know, I don't know if they really should have been, you know, some of the players should have been out boozing in Paramount after the game, but they were. That's what it is what it is. Um, particularly with, yes, a de- what you would class as a dead rubber game at the end of the season um, on Saturday. You know, probably maybe, you know, in, in hindsight, maybe not, maybe not the best idea, but... You know, none of us want to lose games 5-0, you know, but it, it the game didn't really matter today. Um, you know, you, you obviously you want to go down there, you want to you want to perform well, and we didn't, you know, no shots on target. I think we only had about 24% possession, you know, barely, you know, got into, you know, into their box and, you know, and didn't lay a glove on them, really. Um, but that's really been... The story of a, you know, of some of the games against them this season, so it's no, it's not something that you can say, oh well, it only happens today. It's perhaps something that we need to look at going forward. That yes, Celtic are very good, but we perhaps need to be looking to maybe approach those games differently, lift ourselves. That's that's maybe it's maybe a thought that Barry Robson will have for next season um, when we play them. That perhaps a different approach down there is needed uh, because I think you know. It's never nice losing any game five nil, but even if it's even if it's to the champions on the day they're going to be lifting the trophy, but you don't want to be giving them, you know, you don't want to be going down there and just letting them, you know, walk all over you, and that that's what hurt. It does hurt, despite the fact that you know the game didn't really matter. Yeah, Richard, um, there is probably an aspect of with the, in the cold light of day we will probably reflect upon this, and uh, very very little people will 
cast their minds back in relation to this result. Um, but it maybe is a timely reminder at the end of the season that while um, the, the the league table at the end of the day doesn't lie, we we are in third place um, and we are there on merit. But I think we touched upon I think we touched upon beforehand. I think we are now officially the first team to finish third place in the top flight with a with a negative goal difference. Um, in and in terms of where we are compared to uh, Rangers and Celtic, I mean there's a there's still an absolute chasm between ourselves and those two particular teams. And uh, for all that the team and club have improved considerably under uh, Robson's stewardship, his two visits to Parkhead have had a, an aggregate result of nine goals to nil. So definitely a, a reminder of how, how, how much there is still to do. Yeah, it, towards the end, it was particularly pitiful. Um lose two goals in relatively quick succession in the first half uh, again still with quite a few of the recent away games first half we looked occasionally as if we might be able to get a little bit of joy in the break there was a bit of structure uh, Marty Watkins was, was running well with it at times weren't really able to link up play terribly well first goal it's not brilliant defending leave Kyogo and way too much space and it's far too easy for him to, to fool two defenders with one move and get the shot away and then you lose a second goal and that's largely down to Kelly so it wasn't a straightforward save um, typical that you should do this just on the back of us really bumming him up uh, midweek of course um, but that was back to what we have seen on a few occasions this season but yeah, it certainly wasn't straightforward it does bounce just before him but it's really the sort of shots he he has to be gathering in. It wasn't that difficult an effort that um, it needed to be parried. And if he was going to parry it, he wasn't intending to parry it, you need to get it further away than he did. He just coughed it up, basically, for a simple finish. So they were pretty disappointing initially. Then the game kind of goes through a lull for 50, 60 minutes. And again, we're just sat in, we're just defending, we're not doing anything, the quality of our possession simply wasn't there and it just collapses towards the end and I do think that that in particular in the way in which some of the real basics weren't being done towards the end three headers for the third and fourth goal, no one really reacting to the rebound for the fifth I think that, those goals towards the end you can put down to it, to a mental tiredness, now I'm not suggesting that they've been absolutely on the lash for three days but I think it was such a emotional evening on Wednesday night I think we were all pretty emotional you know we all spoke about not being able to to get to sleep on Wednesday night and feeling really buoyed up throughout the Thursday and that adrenaline keeping us going probably into Friday but by the time today came round yeah I mean I could absolutely taken or left today's game now I have to say I wasn't there today I think I would be a lot more angry and a lot more upset about the players' efforts and about the way we performed if I had shelled out 34, 35 quid or whatever it is these days to watch that. Um, so certainly not where we want to be and uh, not really that acceptable even given the circumstances but it does reinforce the chasm that we have to try and bridge between first and second and the rest and I think I'm right in saying that Hibs have taken six at Celtic this season. Um, Hearts certainly in, in the recent past have taken five nil. I'm not sure whether that was this season or last season. So we'll all have to take our medicine at times, I think, going up against these teams because they do have substantially better players. They have substantially greater squad depth. But I think we have to be slightly smarter at setting up if and if that's going to be the or if that's going to be the approach that we are going to be open and we are going to try and take them on in the front foot then we simply have to be better than the ball and we have to have carry way much more of a threat I don't think I can ever recall us going through 90 minutes without getting a shot at goal so as much as it didn't matter and if it had been 2-0 3-0 I think people could easily have written it off I think the, the utter collapse towards the end of even the, the sort of basic standards that Barry Robson brought in were a, a terrible reminder, really, of that 10-day uh, spell back in January when it was the same underlying things that were happening and uh, we were being opened up way, way, way too easily. So, yeah, probably in some respects a fitting end to this campaign because it's, it's definitely one of the themes that, that has been prevalent throughout it. 
Absolutely. So you've you've queued that up beautifully in relation to themes of the season that we've had so far. Um, I was asked about this on the pod a few days ago uh, in relation to how last season it went, and I spoke about it being a, a game of, or rather, a season of two halves. The the season when Jim Goodwin was in charge, and then um, after his sacking, the, the the season that Barry Robson's had. Upon upon further reflection, I think it's maybe more accurate to say that it's been a season in three parts. So, Martin, going back to the first third, the the, the pre-World uh, Cup stoppage, um, we had a pretty massive shake-up of personnel in relation to the squad. I think our entire back five were all player new players that had came in, uh, a number of other uh, players that we had identified through uh, the, 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 the club and the scouting system, um, and seemed to start off incredibly well. We we, we romped through the, the League Cup group stages with full points. Um, I was taking a look through in relation to the league results and I've pulled up the match report from the last game before the World Cup break where we got a, a 1-0 win at home against Dundee United. Jim Goodwin was in charge for us and Liam Fox was the manager for Dundee United. Um, so that's, that in itself shows you how quickly things changed later on in the season. Um, so we were sitting after 15 games played on 25 points, a plus six goal difference, two points ahead of Livingston in fourth. Um, we had just about safely negotiated our way into the League Cup semi-final, although maybe uh, the struggles that we had away at Annan earlier in the competition were, were, were maybe a bit of foreshadowing in relation to some of the further struggles we would have against lower league slash non-league opposition. Um, but it, it, it's probably fair to say at that stage, while we weren't setting the hair, the, 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 the um, I've missed my, my quotes. We weren't setting something on fire. Heather, that's the one. <laughs> we weren't setting anything on fire, really, in that regard. Um, we, we were struggling to keep clean sheets, even though that was something that Goodwin had identified was going to be something we turn around, and our, our away woes were, were pretty well known. But it's probably fair to say that at the point that we stopped at that at that stage, I think we were all generally satisfied with where we were, given the the, the, the upheaval in the squad beforehand, and uh, dare I say, looking forward to what we could have done post World Cup split. I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, you look at some of the form, you know, going. Even just in the first half of the season, the prior to the, yeah, prior to the World Cup. I mean, it was. We were kind of going. No, at some points, it was like win loss, win loss, um, and you know. But we'd we'd had you know, decent. We had decent results. You know, like I say, like you mentioned there, obviously the cup. You know, there was definitely that um, the game at Anna that you mentioned. You know, but then we beat. You no, know, we comfortably beat um, Partick in the next round. And the via play, and you know, things are things were looking things were looking okay, without without generally getting you know too excited. I mean, my my uh, my arrogance and confidence. Obviously, I was still insistent that we're probably going to finish third, um, but that was you no. Know, as the season wore on, um, particularly just just after the World Cup, and then you know, the the week that we the week that we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll get to, um, you know. You start to then panic, um, you know, coming back from coming back from the World Cup. Um, I know those results um, beginning, obviously losing losing to Celtic, and then it's just sort of you know Celtic. I think it was Rangers. Then it was St Mirren and Kilmarnock, um, just really, really poor. And you so th- then the, the, that's when the worry really started um, for me. I think you no know, things were. It was it was it was an okay season prior to that, um, you know. I wouldn't you know be, I would I wasn't sort of you know, devastated and things like that. I thought there were things would go okay, but I still wasn't impressed with some of the players. You know, the you mentioned the defense, you know, the back five, you know, tried tried our best with Anthony Stewart. Um, I still eventually you know reach I reached breaking point with him, and I said it on here, um, and we just you just. Like I say, post post World Cup, it just all seemed to, it just seemed to be the wheels wheels were beginning to come off. Um, but that first part, you mentioned, I mean, you know, we did exactly what we should have done. You know, the um, the group stages, the Betfred, you know, you should you should be we should we should be winning every game, despite the turnover, 
of, of players despite the new bodies coming in. You know, we've got we still had we still had a few a, a decent amount of experience in there, um, and we should be we should be beating these teams. You know, your Peter Heads and your like. So um, that first part of the season, it was it was okay without as you I mean, and like say the head you, we didn't set the header on fire. Nobody was nobody was doing cartwheels and getting too excited. Um, but I think it was it was it was fine. Yeah, you you give them kind of semi pass marks, I suppose you would say. So Richard, from semi pass marks prior to the the World Cup break, uh, the club then has just over a month to prepare uh, for coming back into league action. Um, not in the same situation as a, a number of other clubs in. In, in the, the situation where they were losing a number of players to go away and actually compete in that uh, tournament, we pretty much were ma- managed to keep our entire squad. Um, took essentially a, a, a mid a mid season break as a club to prepare for the next phase of the season, and it effectively started to unravel from almost the the the, the, the well, not even almost exactly the first game back, um, and incredibly insipid performance at home against Celtic um, uh, and even though we came very close to, to holding out for a result um, our, our, our real low mark in, in my own opinion and just in terms of the lack of intent shown by a team at home even though it was against the the best team in the league um, we then follow up with a a catastro- catastrophic result for, for very different reasons um, seeding a 2-1 lead in injury time with a couple of goals from Scott Arfield. Um, and then, as as Martin's already mentioned, back-to-back away defeat. So again, continuing that run of woeful away results and being unable to stop uh, goals going in the back of the net. A, a brief reverie with a couple of uh, positive home results before we get into really the, the sequence of results, which completely uh, broke the back of the Goodwin era. Um, a painful... Uh, League Cup semi-final exit at Hamden was then followed with a 5-0 tonking at Hearts, uh, getting ousted out of the Scottish Cup by Darville and probably the, the worst result in the club's history. Um, I think we were all in consensus that that should have been it for Goodwin after that, but um, we had we had one more horrific occasion to uh, endure after that. Uh, and at that we, we already knew by that point that uh, the game was up in relation to the Goodwin era at Pataudry. Well, I kind of wish I'd talked to you about a third of the way through that question, Martin, because it was a, a terrible litany of uh, of that month, and I can't believe you're going to ask uh, me to go through that again. What I will say is that as much as uh, the point period up to the World Cup split was uh, was acceptable, there were still some underlying trends there that were very concerning, particularly away from home and the inability to keep clean sheets. And those ultimately were, I suppose, the harbingers of what, uh, what really unraveled and very much at the centre of what went wrong for us as a team. Just that, the fact that he was building a team on nothing, building it on sand, you have to start on a solid foundation. And this just hadn't happened under the previous manager with Stephen Glass and it, it got worse. Somehow it got worse. I mean, we thought with Goodwin, we were, you know, we assumed that we were getting a guy that knew the league and knew knew what Scottish football was about, wasn't necessarily going to be this uh, slick attacking football uh, man because that's not what he'd shown up to his career uh, to date. But clearly, he tried to be that, despite the fact he's never really done it at Allo and never really done it at St Mirren. That's what he tried to install and tried to do, except the tools which he had to try and put that together and his ability to actually impose that on the team were clearly completely unsuited to that standard and style of football. It, so I think the the warning signs, the flags were there initially, but the home form was decent enough to keep our head above water. In fact, more than our head above water. We, you know, we had some good home wins and some nice high scoring wins as well, and it was looking okay. But going into that break, I mean, I think the pessimists amongst us, so certainly me, were were thinking, mm, that's four tricky games to come back to because it was Celtic at home the Rangers at home, two away games when we'd won one away game all season. So we knew that as much as we were third, and clear and third at that point, it, it might that could change quite quickly after the break. And as it did, we then get the, the boost of Shinny coming back and it helps raise performances a little bit. So we have a 
we have a win over St Johnston. We go into a League Cup semi. We we perform okay until Anthony Stewart does an Anthony Stewart thing. And then after that, it, it completely falls apart. The wheels utterly come off and very much a microcosm of what happened in the last 15, 20 minutes today, in all honesty. And really, it's, it's incredible credit to to Barry Robson and the coaching staff that he's brought in that it's, it's been able to turn around at all to, to any semblance of decency, let alone for, for this team in recovery mode to have basically ticked off what would have been one of the key objectives for the season it's actually incredible so it it's been such an odd season I, I don't regardless of the fact there's been a world cup in the middle of it which is odd enough but from an Aberdeen perspective in terms of the way the performances have gone in terms of the way your mood has gone up and right down the worst of times and not quite the best of times because the best of times are reserved for winning a trophy clearly but Wednesday night was a really special night and for a lot of people certainly younger than me that won't have had the opportunity to see us lift too many trophies I'm sure that meant so so much it meant a lot to me as well let me stress that but we've had some of the very worst times that I've experienced and witnessed I mean standing on uh, standing in the stand at Easter Road watching that happen watching what um, had been allowed to happen to my football team uh, completely avoidable as well by the time we'd hit that point, it, it was quite sickening. Um, so to, to experience those highs and lows within the course of four months, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I, and I know that in, within football as a whole, things seem to get much more compressed. Managers get much less time. But th- th- this is a sort of up and down you might expect over a decade, not in the space of half a season. So... Uh, <laughs> I find it really hard to give you an overall handle on the season. We did some things well, and our home form was generally pretty good. We still, have, we still need to prove and demonstrate that we can go to difficult away venues and perform well next year. By perform well, it means going to the bottom six team and consistently winning. It means being really difficult to beat at Ibrox and Parkhead. And it definitely means at Easter Road and Tynecastle being super competitive, accepting that we won't always win, but being super competitive and pushing for a win at those venues. So I, th- I think we need to prove that we can do that. We've got a huge additional challenge, potentially, underlined, 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 um, with European fixtures. We are in Europe, but it, you know, it could be the Europe that we've experienced over the last decade which is a tantalising taste of the real thing, or it could be the real thing. So so we have those things to look forward to, but we, and I think Robson will know exactly the levels that he has to get to and some of the things that he has to fix. Because I think with Barry, you know, what we've got is a, a different person to Derek McInnes, clearly, and a different approach to the game generally. But I, but I think the blueprint to running a club, to building up a club between the two of them, is pretty similar and it strikes me that over the past couple of years we went for revolution in terms of getting in Stephen Glass or opting to, to go and get um, Jim Goodwin when it, all we needed was was our evolution you know just to add the good things that a, a proper forward-looking football club should have like a, a properly functioning recruitment department increased coaching training ground to the blueprint in the football department that kind of already existed. And I know we could talk to it till we're blue in the face about how it was ever decreasing returns with Derek McInnes, and it was, and it was difficult to replace the quality of players that left, etc., etc. We've been through all that, right? We've been there. You've heard us. You've listened to us as we've gone through that. We've lived that. We don't need to start that with you. We don't need to explain the backstory with you. What I think with Barry Robson is I really believe we've got a man who not just understands the league, understands what it takes for Aberdeen to be successful, but does understand this club as well and understands that performances like today in the long run are not going to be acceptable. Absolutely. So on the subject of Barry Robson, Martin, his managerial tenure so far, I think very much marked by that um, incredible turnaround in fortune if the if the period um, 
post mid-season break for the World Cup up until Goodwin's departure was a catastrophe. This is what you would, um, I think, uh, you could term it a U catastrophe, um, a sudden and surprising turn of fortunes in the in the in the right way. Um, very much built upon that run uh, of seven consecutive league wins in a row. Um, I know for me personally, I felt the, 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 the turning point that I saw in the team came about in the match at Tanadice, um, where having really taken a, a lot of pressure in the first half, we managed to get ourselves in front. Um, lost that advantage late on. I think it was still only about 15, 20 minutes to go by the time that um, we could see the crazy penalty. Um, Jamie McGrath converts the penalty. And... I'm kind of racking my brains. I still think that might have been the only occasion where we've actually kind of, in a moment of real adversity, managed to play through that and actually um, re regain the advantage. And again, the for me, that the the the, the second goal, the the Duke run finished off with the back heel, I think, still stands out as the iconic moment of the season for me. Um, it was it was good enough to put ourselves into a position where we were five points ahead going into the split. The the post split results maybe a little less uh in, in, impressive but at the end of the day the the two things that we managed to get out of it was we we we, we managed to hang on for a result against Hibs, and of course the, the most importantly was getting the convincing victory last wednesday so all, all all in all your your current impressions maybe maybe we'll 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 we'll, we'll get a chance to speak about what we might expect from robson and his charges afterwards but your overall impression of the robson tenure to date well, I think you're first. I think you're right to point out that Dundee United game because you know if I was to go through you know the WhatsApp chats I have with my mates, I think one phrase that would probably would come up, and I think a lot of us would probably have said the same thing, is that like that when this when that Aberdeen team goes behind, we don't come back from it. You know, we don't we didn't expect anything. You know, you, it's like we go behind. You think right, we might get a draw. We're not get this. Team, we're not getting two. You know, this is you no. Know, this is what it is. Right, let's try and hopefully get something. And that Dundee United game. You know, wasn't nobody was. I don't think anybody was getting too carried away with themselves, but there was a sign that perhaps you know we're up, they're on to something here, um, and it was looking a little bit brighter because you know. And obviously, the caveat in that is it was Dundee United, but everybody else has got to play them as well. So you kind of you take that, um, but that, that was an impressive that was an impressive comeback, you know, and it just seemed to be, you know, that that game coupled with. Um, obviously, a couple of weeks later at home at Hearts, where in the first half we just blew them away. Um, really, really impressive. And I think we, we said the other day, you know, Barry Robson's got this thing where I think he just creates, he's created you know, a culture where, you know, it's not, I think maybe Goodwin, you know, when he came in, you know, he, he what's, what's, you know, he basically like sidelined a lot of people, you know. Um, Obviously, there's the Scott Brown stuff, which you know, we didn't. Want, I didn't want him in in the first place. But coming in, making a power move of getting rid of him, you know, Jet, who was a popular guy in the dressing room, despite what you think of him as a player, you know, he seemed to be Mister Potter. You know, kind of exercising your authority over him. The Considine carry on as well. You know, the stuff with um, uh, what's his name? Christian was stuff with Christian Ramirez. Just seemed to be Goodwin, kind of. Know, came in and yes he's the manager yes he has to exert it you know he's put his stamp of authority on the team and on the club but it seemed to be that he came in and he just rubbed rubbed a lot of people up perhaps the wrong way barry robson's came in and okay yes he's came in as a caretaker but he just seems to have done it differently he just seems to have united everybody and pulled them all together and this is what we said on um when we did the podcast on thursday is that everybody seems to be pulling and pulling in the same direction you know believing in what he's what he's doing and I, and that is really impressive, you know. Let's say those two results, the Dundee United one away, and the one at Hearts was, you know, were, were very. Imp it was really impressive, and you you go on that run, you know, where we, you know, culminating obviously in the home win, home win against Rangers, which you know, absolutely delightful, and you, know, it's it's night and day, you know, you know that that performance, um, you know, against Rangers compared to. You know the home one, the home one against them early in the season at a good win where we, you know, we gave away the two late goals. Um, I think you know probably says more, says a lot about about but Robson and what he wants to do with the club and that he got us, you know, he got us in a, a big run, put us, to, put us in a, a really strong position going into the 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 split. 
and I was I'm really impre- I'm really impressed by him. There's obviously concerns. Richard is right to point out, you know, the the post split Hibs Hibs game. Um, the performance was not great. Um, Hearts, I think though the sit the particularly the second half in the Hearts game. There's there are worries there and there are concerns. Uh, but the guy's been in charge for 14, 13, 14 games, I think it is. Um, you know, he's he's oversaw us getting in, you know, get us getting us out of a what was a relegation worry at the time. You know, we've got us up got us up the table. We're fin- going to finish third. There will be some so there will be some sort of European football. Hopefully, it will be the group stage football. Um, so I think you know I'm willing to forgive you know some suspect performances because. I, He's got a job on his hands in the summer. There will be some sort of rebuilding as well, which I know we're going to come to, so I don't want to go over that too much. There will be some rebuilding. There will be a lot of players going out. There will be some more coming in. Uh, so I think that there's work to be done there. But as it stands, I think it's looking really looking really bright for us. And it's looking really bright for, bright for him as, a, as the manager going forward. So with the future looking so bright, that seems, a, again, a perfect opportunity to segue into what we'll need to do to prepare for the season coming forward. Now, again, we'll need to proviso all of our discussions on squad surgery with the fact that we, we, we don't know what the result of the Scottish Cup final is yet. So we don't know whether we do have that uh, uh, assurance of um, the, 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 the millions which may come with guaranteed uh, group stage football. But um, we'll, we'll maybe try and... Uh, uh, couch our, our opinions in relation to who we may or may not be wanting to get in under under either or both scenarios. So, uh, Richard, I'm I'm, I'm going to approach this in uh, in having a look at the squad. At, in in again, I looked at the season and gone past in three stages. I'll, I'd I'd like to take that same approach with the the, the current squad and maybe take it uh, position by position. So, starting off with the the defence and goalkeeper, I think it's fair to say that um, although he probably had his poorest game in 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 months earlier today uh, over the keys over the piece uh Kellerus has really solidified his position as one of the best goalkeepers in the country um he will definitely be coming back as the the incumbent number one uh it seems that we are saying uh goodbye to uh former captain and long-standing keeper joe lewis um i would struggle to think uh either Jay Horter or Ajax would be keen on him staying on just to be understudy for another season. So it looks like we may well need to get an additional person in in in, in the goalkeeping ranks. And then with the defence, um, two of our outstanding back three for the second half of the season are on loan. I think from the reaction that we got from Matty Pollock after the game at Pitodri, I'm going to take that as it being unlikely that we will be getting him back for next season, although we'll always um, keep hope. Um, Liam Scales is another one where we'll need to see whether there's a possibility of bringing him back and again, again, given the circumstances uh, around us losing him for today's game, I think the important thing would be if we are entertaining the possibility of bringing him back, it would need to be have to be in a permanent deal rather than a, another loan. And then the 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 fullback situation, I was going to say the worst kept secret in Scottish football. I mean, it's so it's so badly kept a secret. It isn't even secret because they posted a picture of the signing. So uh, Nicky Devlin definitely coming in as a replacement for Ross McCrory at right back. And then at the moment, left back or left defence, I think it's all kind of up in the air. We have a f- couple of players that could feasibly um, take those positions in, in, in Jack McKenzie and, and, and Johnny Hayes. But I don't really see either of those as being... Um, people I would I would I would see as a as a as a long term starting option at left back. So it does look like um, right from the outset we're going to be needing three or four uh, new additions to personnel on those fronts. Yes, um, you know I, I wouldn't necessarily say that we should just restrict ourselves to looking for a backup goalkeeper. I think there could be an opportunity to improve on Kalorusi. I think he's done well in certain scenarios and I think that there's certain things he's done less well you know we've, we've spoken about his command of the area we've spoken about his kicking I, I think he's got a tendency to to save stuff back into dangerous areas it's been less pronounced in the second half of the second half of the season absolutely um, but I think over you know overall particularly with a recency bias towards the second half of the campaign and when he came back from injury he's been solid enough so, but in terms of numbers, clearly we need another goalkeeper because I don't think uh, young Blessing, who's part of the under-18 squad, even if he is being kept on, is, is quite ready to, to make the leap up. Um, Tom Ritchie, is he still with us? 
Ooh. I think he might have Away been on somewhere. Yeah. Um, so equally, though, I, I'm not sure that he'd be he'd be ready to be to be number two. Um, so so there'll definitely be another keep, keeper coming in. I think we're helped when we, we take a look through the squad as well uh, because um, we have had uh, the chief executive and the chairman have these Q and A sessions in Glasgow and Edinburgh over the past couple of weekends. And quite frankly, they've been quite indiscreet about <laughs> some of what's happening. So we know that they're trying to get Liam Scales uh, on the permanent deal. Um, um, we can assume that Ross McCrory is away, although maybe not for the monies quoted um, in uh, in the press. Um, as you say, the deal to sign Devlin is done, right wing back. Definitely need... Um, someone else that can perform there because I, I think Jaden Richardson is potentially going to be offered back down south left uh, wing back Johnny Hayes does have another year uh, again I, I would probably at this point be looking for a starting left wing back so to come into again this is assuming Robson is going to play a three um, and I think this is an important point that we do have an alignment between what the football, uh, the scouting department are asked to look for and have been asked to look for over the past six months and the formation the manager is likely to play because we've ended up with a whole host of wingers this season that never got a sniff because uh, Goodwin suddenly changed the formation from a 4-2-3-1 to, to a side that we're going without wingers. So, so I think it's really important that we have that vision, clear vision. I mean, yes, you want to make sure that you you give your manager a squad that can allow for tactical flexibility, but don't completely shift to a position where we're uncovered for, because that is going to bring its own problems. So centre-half, again, we need bulked up there. I mean, I'm not going to judge Jack McKenzie as left-sided centre-back on today's performance. You know, I think he's still young. I think there'll be an opportunity for, for Jack to push on and progress. Um, but today was obviously the whole defence really can not look back on today with too much uh, too much pleasure so scales they're pushing for they're hoping to get Angus McDonald they've got lined up I don't think we're going to be able to get Matty Pollock I mean he's 21 signed by a Premier League team at that point I think as a 19 year old as a prospect for the future had a year at Cheltenham before he's had his six months with us and he's done really well here so he was on the fringes of the Watford squad. I mean, it's utterly, utterly bizarre to me that they reckon that Ryan Porteous is a better centre-half option than Matty Pollock. But there we are. You know, if that's the level of competition that he's up against, then I, I believe he can go back there and gain a, a first-team spot at Watford without any question mark whatsoever. So I think it's very unlikely that we'd get Matty Pollock uh, for a couple of reasons. So you are looking... Um, I know there's been contact with the guy at Go Ahead Eagles, whose name escapes me. Um, so I think I expect that to happen. And there'll be there'll be a couple more bodies, because again, you've got a couple on the, uh, the fringes of being stepping up from the reserves. Jack Milne, I know, is, a, is an option and is well thought of and regarded inside Pitaudry. Um, young Blair as well, but again, he's probably a couple of years away, particularly as a centre-half, because I think it's really difficult to blood centre-halves young. You know, very often they're pushed out to wing-back or, or full-back in order to give them game time because they don't want to be... Managers don't want to risk them at such a key position in the centre of the park. So, um, overall, one left wing-back, depending on... if. They get interest in Richardson, another right wing back, definitely a couple of centre halves. Um, Liam Scales, probably going to be one of them, I would say. Probably, I, I struggle to see that Celtic would want to hold on to Liam Scales. I've not been. I think again he's done fine since Robson came in, but I, I, you know, I don't think he's been standout since Robson came in. I think he's been part of a solid unit, and he's therefore looked much better. So, with regards to the defence, that's where we're at. Still quite a lot of surgery needed. Yeah, um, with apologies for, I'm never really sure of Dutch pronunciations, but Jay Idzes is the, the, the gentleman from Go Ahead Eagles that you were thinking of. Um, 
And given, I think it was only a few weeks ago that um, it was reported that Hibbs were set to rival Aberdeen for his signing, which I presume therefore means he's going to be signing for us. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see what comes of that. The other, the other thing I was thinking about is um, given how well Matty Pollock has done, the, the, one of the great ideas may well be that if he, if he wanders back to Watford and solidifies first team football, the person that might be making way for him in that position might be uh, a young Ryan Porteous. So maybe, maybe Porteous on loan for the start of next season. That would be something, wouldn't it? Um, move, moving swiftly on to the, the midfield, Martin. Um, I think the, the most important bit of business or bits of business that we can do is probably in this area of the field. I think, again, in, in probably one of the worst kept secrets in Scottish football, I think the intent in, in all sides is that Graham Shinney will be uh, returning on some some form of permanent deal, um, if for no other reason given the... Uh, current situation that Wigan Athletic find themselves in but again I think um, Graham Shinney a very a very known quantity to us and to the league um, uh, and we are a very known quantity to him so that would make an awful lot of sense um, what was even more encouraging and, and there seems to be more fuel to the fire that came since our last podcast um, not only from the club but from the, 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 the player himself more importantly is that um, there seems to be a prospect of us being able to get Leighton Clarkson back next season again be that on a an additional year's loan, or given that I think that I believe that is the last year in his contract at Liverpool, um, the the wild, wild dare we dare we fantasise about the possibility of Leighton Clarkson coming back in as 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 one of our own as well. Um, after that, though, not not a, not a huge amount of depth in in the midfield area, at least in terms of senior players. We obviously have uh, a couple of the younger guys in Connor Barron and Ryan Duncan. Um, Barron now. Back in back in the fold after having been um, out partially because of prior form, um, partially because of some unsettling uh, activity, and then obviously um, injuries that held him back beforehand. Ryan Duncan has been impressive enough in the the spells that he's got in the game without necessarily being the kind of player you might look at as being able to uh, really influence a, a game at this stage. Um, we also have a couple of guys that still have to, to have to return from loan, the likes of Dean Campbell and Connor McLennan. Although I think, I think given that neither of them, with with the with the very clear exception of a a, a late uh, FA Cup winning goal, um, or f- not not winning the FA Cup itself, but winning a fixture against uh, Aston Villa that uh, Dino can put under his resume, um, both of them have been really in the peripheries of those squads, and I think it's probably unlikely that either of them will be getting uh, extended contracts unless anybody knows otherwise so um would it be fair to say we have ramadan we have ramadani signed on for a few more seasons so would the case be get the deal done for shinny dream of getting a deal done for clarkson and then again maybe potentially looking for one or two other people to bolster the squad for a, a potential young long european season well, the biggest no-brainer in Scottish football is that we have to, you know, is getting Shinny, getting Shinny signed up. And you know, it's, I think, <clears throat> I think as you say, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not remotely even a secret. I think pretty much the deal is done. Um, you know, Wigan, Wigan don't have their problems to seek, which plays in our hands. And so, with a bit, with no, you, you just, you just assume that the club have, have exploited any, any problems that Wigan are having, and no, but we've, we've managed to get him, Clarkson. You know, I mean, I just imagine if we get that kid. I say kid, you know, like you know, but I'm 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 42, so he's a kid. You know, he's 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 a kid compared to me. Um, <laughs> Clarkson would just Clarkson would just Clarkson would just be a phenomenal phenomenal sign to get him. We've as I've said in the past couple of weeks, we've seen the growth in him. You know, this since he arrived this season, you know, he's he's you know coming into being a proper a proper really good top quality player. Um, so having th- having those two in Ramadani, if you get those two secured and having Ramadani, it then you know you're looking obviously add some depth. But if you know when you if you've got those three, it doesn't actually look too bad. Um, obviously, we still have Johnny Hayes, and um, he's on for another season as well. Um, and then you're looking. You know, obviously, we have you know we've got Shaden Morris signed up until like twenty one seventy five or something. <laughs> He's got some massive long deal, so he's going to be. He's still going to be in the building. Um, yeah, I think Duncan's got a nice long deal as well. So you no, know, it doesn't look. It doesn't look too bad. Yeah, they've done some depth. I think you know, they'll probably the laziest cliche that any football manager would say is you always want to add quality. Um, so we you know, you're probably looking to bring in a, bring in a few more bodies. We don't know what's going to happen with the Connor Barron situation, as you mentioned there. You know, there's 
he was obviously on, I think on top of you know any maybe injury issues and things like that he was obviously unsettled by something um you know you you, you hear all these rumors and you know, don't want to give any of them any credence but you hear rumors about you know maybe Celtic were interested or maybe this or that or some club in England and I think that was maybe a, maybe his, his his head was slightly turned and things but he's now back in the fold he's been you know, he's been playing some he's been playing games he's been getting some game time um and he's and he is no we can only take it as for what we can see and he's here also the here he is here till the summer of 2024 so I think that defensively I think defensive midfield wise I think we're looking we're looking okay um, I'm looking really you know, if we can get obviously the Shinny and Clarkson deals over the line um, loads to be loads to be positive about you know Robson obviously is going to want to bring in bring in names as you say you know Dean Campbell Connor McLennan probably going to be going out the building I mean they're out of contract this summer anyway Matty Kennedy another one who'll be I imagine won't be won't be sticking around um, so then it's just a case of a case of you no know, bringing it, maybe bringing in some other bodies, other you no know, who who perhaps you know know the league and they're there to support the the younger players because you want I want to be seeing more Ryan Duncan this season this season I want to I want to be getting even more game time because well, what I've seen of him so far I'm I'm hugely impressed and you know the more game time he gets I think that the more he will flourish and hopefully you no know, fingers crossed and all that turn out to be a really you know a really top level player for us yeah we have to we have to strike that balance and I think Robson is actually a sort of someone who's obviously was in charge of the under 18 team is, is conscious of making sure that that happens and you know if given a choice between say given giving Ryan Duncan minutes or or, or given an import who is maybe flattering to deceive a la Bizwayan minutes then it's going to be Ryan Duncan which I think is healthy and I hope he keeps hold of that mentality for the time which he is in the job it would be really a real positive if we could get a, a good outcome to the Conor Barron situation because there's a really good player there and for him now to be coming into the last year of his deal and potentially not being played because he is in the last year of his deal and not wanting to, to sign on again would be very disappointing and from his perspective as well he has missed out basically on this season and you're looking at a situation where he he has 24 starts um, at Aberdeen level I know he also played for I'm going to say Bonnie Rigg but it probably wasn't was it? Was it Kelty Hearts It was Kelty wasn't it? Uh, I knew it was one or the other um, He would have expected by the end of the season to be on plus 50 up to 60 so his development will have been stunted by what's happened this year partly injury partly no doubt contractual and partly form as well clearly when Shinny came back in Bamman was the one who who stepped out but th- there's a real player there and I think it would be a it would really be beneficial if we could sort that out because again you have to think that now where we are now and with what might Truffle underlined lie ahead for us next year why wouldn't players want to be part of that? Why wouldn't players want to be part of the unit that Barry Robson has created? That atmosphere in that dressing room on Wednesday night, which looked sensational. These are the reasons why players want to stay because they have got. Again, I refer to the similarities with McInnes's reign. Players wanted to stay because they wanted to be part of something that was being built. Now, Barron was keen to explore his options last year when we were a fucking shambles. <laughs> we finished 10th or whatever, 9th or 10th, and we didn't look like we were going anywhere fast. Um, but maybe that's pro- probably all wishful thinking. It's probably too far down the line. Too too many bridges have been burnt, and he does only have that 12 months left on his deal. So so with regards to the midfield, I think you are looking at Ramadani here for another couple of years. Shinny's done. I... I'm inclined to believe, as ridiculous as this sounds, that Leighton Clarkson will be a permanent Aberdeen player. And that is huge. And I suspect that they've been able to do that because they probably have genuinely, and I know clubs will say this to players quite frequently, but I think they can do this. I think they can say to him with some justification, we will build a team around you in that we will put guys like Shinny and Ramadani in front of you so that you can get protected to play the game that you need to play. Although clearly you've also got to do a bit more, which you have been doing. 
Whereas if you go to an English Championship club, you know what that league's like, Leighton. You know that you are not going to get the time. You're probably just going to be kicked and kicked and kicked. Whereas here, we can provide you the protection. We can provide you exposure to Europe. And look what can happen if you do well, because we can demonstrate the Lewis Ferguson thing. And I think that's a real great thing for us, because we can say, you know, Lewis Ferguson's come here as a young kid, he's come in, he's played pretty much every minute. And again, that's a really good thing about Clarkson, is that he's, he's been available pretty much every week, he's, he's not been injury prone. Lewis Ferguson came in here as a young kid, played three, four seasons every minute basically of every game, got a great move and is doing really well in Italy. And I think that's perhaps a really sensible and smart career path for, for Leighton Clarkson to follow, rather than going and being battered from pillar to post in the English Championship. So I think if we've made it happen, and we have to obviously stay if right now, because, you know, all the signs, all the clues that the Aberdeen social media team are putting out there, nobody knows for certain, other than a select number of people. If we've made it happen, I suspect that those are the sort of selling pitches that we've done and it would be such a coup um, for all that today he was absolutely fucking dismal today. But never mind. We know what you can do over the course of the season and we know the more rounded footballer that he is now when he came in the building. And then literally going forward, Richard, I think... Our striking options. I think we're in a very similar situation to where we're with 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 the, with the, with the midfield, with the exception of um, we actually have the guys that we want to start already under contract. Um, two guys in Miovsky and Duke who were really knocking on the door of twenty goal seasons. In- incredibly impressive um, for 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 Duke in particular. Um, not only the players' player of the season and the club player of the season, but he was also the the only Aberdeen player that made it into the uh, Scottish Premiership Team of the Year so um, definitely when you're looking at again when you think about someone like Leighton Clarkson but also Duke where you're trying to keep hold of players who uh, are genuinely of the kind of calibre that could they, they could they could play with it in any team in the league and beyond and the more of those players that you, you can retain and, and, and attract in the club the, the better chance you have to be able to compete with those kind of sides on the park um, I'm, I'm hoping that given that Miofsky and Duke are both on long-term contracts that we can now resist any temptation to to sell them on unless there was um, exorbitant fees attached to it Um and then after that, I guess it then just becomes a decision of um, what what we may want to bring into the squad in order to bolster that. Um, I think on the Twitter feed we touched upon the situation with Marley Watkins. I think I think we all agree a, an incredibly useful player to have as a as a squad member, a dependable player. You know what you're going to get from him on the pitch. Um, whether whether we want to keep give him an extended contract on the wages that he may currently be on, or whether he may be agreeable to maybe uh, a, a negotiation around that, we'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, Alfie Babbage waiting in the wings, but I really do think he might be one where um, I mean, if he if he does get an opportunity, a, a more of a run of an opportunity coming off the bench next season, fine. But I do wonder at his agent stage whether a a, a loan move elsewhere may be more beneficial for him at this stage. Um, and then after that, really, I suppose we're going to have to first of all sort out this kind of mess of personnel that we currently still have in the background with the likes of uh, Shaden Morris, Callum Roberts, um, where um, they didn't necessarily get an op- a huge opportunity to show whether they whether they should be involved in things going forward or not. But but as you as you say, if we're if we're if we're not going to be if we're going to be keeping the structure and the, the style of play from last season, you don't see a huge amount of opportunity for those guys. Um, and then rumours of a of a potential interest. Um, I, I didn't mention his time, but again, it's maybe slightly worrying seeing the, the 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 trend of where we're looking to get our first signings in. You could argue that Nicky Devlin may well have been a no-brainer given it was a, a, a position it was going to be of need. But um, that's one of the old Aberdeen tropes of go and sign a captain from a from a competitor within the league. The other trope is go and find a guy that scored two goals against us at some point in the recent past, and Kevin Van Veen firmly fits into that latter. Um, well, someone, somebody's going to lose the Kevin Van Veen lottery, aren't they? It's going to be one of Aberdeen hearts of Hibs, and it's gonna, this is going to be the case over the next couple of seasons, that we're going to be in the market for the exact same players, and 
someone is going to sort of end up with a guy. And in Van Veen's case, after the season he's had, you can guarantee it'll be two goals from about 32 appearances next season for wherever he ends up. And I hope it's not us, quite frankly. I, I know he's doing like amazing things right now and fair play to him. And we have seen him do remarkable things against Aberdeen in the recent past when he turned into Marco Van Basten, but only against <laughs> us. So so we're well aware of his talents. But I, over the course of a season, I'm, I'm picking Mayofsky and I'm picking Lopez every single time. So we don't know what's going to happen with regards to interest in either of those two over the summer. Um, I think Southampton were already credited with an interest in Mayofsky. And of course, that's where our head of recruitment is heading to. Um, So that might be one to watch. I don't know whether, obviously, the seriousness of his injury over the summer might actually be marginally beneficial in that it might prevent him moving immediately. Um, As much as the club can come and say, no, we're not going to sell, we would still sell if we got the right money. There's no question about that. So um, I think those are two to watch. I think those are the two real sellable assets right now. Um, Lopez and, and Miofsky. Uh, but they're both on decent deals. Lopez has two years left. Certainly you probably wouldn't want... To, if you get down to next summer and there's been no extension, no change, then you're probably not maximising his value. But what is his value to this football club? Is it just in terms of a balance sheet, in terms of what you can sell him for? Or if he ends up scoring the goals that get us into the Europa League, win us a couple of games in the... Uh, conference league whatever it, it, it does that become more valuable and i would say it's the latter personally um babbage i kind of like to keep him in the building i think even though i know that he would get less minutes here i i think he would learn quite a lot more from from being here from being part of the team and he'll definitely get used because one thing robson's has done with regards to the substitutions, he's rotated the strikers quite early, quite frequently. So he may not may not make a lot of substitutions, but so Babbage would certainly be getting minutes most games, which I think would be helpful. And again, he's really young as well. He's really young, uh, only just turned eighteen. Am I right in saying, Martin, our youth guru? Just turned. I I got I I, I totally sold myself down the river on this a number of months ago. Just turned seventeen. Just turned seventeen. So there you go. Really, really young. I actually think keeping in the building might be the better thing. And yeah, on Marley, I do think it would if we could have. He will have been brought in on a wage of a first teamer, of a first team starter. So I think the question mark there is whether the players amenable to it. Um, I, th- I think Robson likes him. Um, I, I, I think he's a clever footballer. Um, when we put it on Twitter, someone said about his injury record, and I was like, mm, is that a factor? I've looked back. He's actually been available for every single game this year. Um, he's been an unused was an un- unused sub for most of the first half of the season, which why you might think that he wasn't available. But no, he's been he's been available for selection uh, every single week this uh, every single game day this this season. So uh, so as much as he missed a lot of last season through knocks and niggles um this season he's absolutely been available again the, the old adage that strikers are, are are judged on goals but i don't think that's always true i think i think sometimes you need a different type of striker to unlock things and to link up play um and i think he is smart i think he's would be effective when you're maybe playing away from home um at a tough location and i think he is good at carrying the ball forward and, and getting you up the park but it does remain to be seen, you know, what he's looking for in terms of his next move as well. And I guess what other interest he may or may not have on the table. And be- be- before I stray off on this, I suppose that the other aspect that I did miss out in relation to that is there, there is technically the possibility of uh, Vicente Bejuin coming back in from being on loan this season. But I don't know whether is that a, a, a positive or, or, or is it just a meh in your opinion? Or... Um. I well, I, th- I think he will be back because I can't see that his um, his option will be triggered. Uh, so I expect him to be back. Um, I think there were some things that he was able to to give to us. Um, I think in the right scenario, then he could be an option. But I don't see him as a starter. 
Um, but, I, but I see him as ahead of the likes of Roberts and Morris, absolutely, in terms of deserving minutes. But right now, I, w- I wouldn't see him as a starter. I think with Bizwayan, you'd have to allow Robson to get some time with him uh, and see if you can get that extra element of involvement in a game when we don't have the ball, like Robson's being able to get out of Clarkson. I think that that would be really important with uh, Vicente. So maybe the the best point to to wrap up on on, on this particular podcast we're obviously an entire summer um away from uh competitive football for for Aberdeen so it's very hard to speculate too much in relation to what the the squad will end up looking like but in 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 terms of broad brush strokes I'll I'll ask you both this question Martin first um for next season what does success look like the success is um, the success is the same as it's always been. It's winning the trophy. Um, you know you can you, know, you can have a good season where you where you finish third and you maybe get to get a trip to Hamden, but that's not success. Um, a successful season always ends ends in the captain, hopefully Graham Shinney. Um, at, you know, hopefully in May next year or June, whenever it is, lifting the Scottish Cup because you no. Know, as I've said every other year, we've been doing this. When I've been saying, when Richard asks me what I want from this season, I'll tell him exactly the same thing. Next season, I want the Scottish Cup. Richard, I feel that like Martin's uh, not pushing the boat far uh, out far enough. Uh, I believe the twenty twenty four Europa League final is due to be in Dublin, so that's where <laughs> oh, I expect him to be to be lifting his trophy um, this time next week. Uh, and, and with it, Champions right League say... football the next season, so real, real, real opportunity. <laughs> Martin's absolutely right to say that you know actual success is lifting a trophy, but you can you can hit your marks, you can hit your targets, and a big, big target is clearly, realistically, going to be finishing ahead of Hibs and Hearts again, um, once again, for the, what would it be, 12th time in 13 seasons uh, with regards to Hearts. And I think Hibs have maybe finished ahead of us two more times than that. So uh, that would be, realistically, a big target with regards to a league. That reward for finishing third stroke winning the Scottish Cup is still going to be an offer for Scottish teams for next season, probably for the next couple of seasons at least. So that's huge for us. And teams have been really struggling to repeat that over the past few seasons. In fact, I think the last team to actually finish third in successive seasons was actually the Rangers when we finished second ahead of them, uh, two seasons running in 16-17 and 17-18. You know, with regards to us, yes, we've had consecutive top three finishes, but we haven't, you know, throughout the period where there's been this domination at one and two which I suppose is between say 1995 and uh, 2012 and then the last couple of years you know we haven't been able to put successive third place finishes together and then it's been incredibly difficult for other teams to do that as well I think Hearts did it twice in the early 2000s again playing with money we didn't have um, I don't believe Hibs have done it Motherwell I don't think they've they did, I guess they finished third and then second right at the time of Rangers' demise, didn't they? I think they were third and then got the Champions League place in 2011-12. Is that right? And then, no, they were, I think they were third in 2012-13 and then maybe second in 13-14. Yeah, that's right. I think it was the season we won the League Cup, but then we just missed out on It's been It's been difficult for teams to do that. And if, Triple underlined. We are playing those, and of course, we, if, you know, the teams going into a Conference League have a have a chance, but it's a difficult path to to have group stage football, and we know that better than anyone. But if we are playing those six games Thursday nights throughout the course of that first half of the season, it is going to be difficult. It is going to be an added pressure, and all the assumptions that we've made in the earlier conversations about squad depth and you know players contributing I think we are going to have to look to some of those fringe players to to put in more meaningful performances so we are going to need the likes of Shaden Morris the likes of Callum Roberts the likes of Vicente Bazayan we are going to need those guys to contribute over the course of a season particularly in the first half of the campaign and um, so I think that isn't success as such but I, I think it's a I think those are targets to hit. 
So on that note, as we bring to an end a season which has seen not only a, a roller coaster of results for the club on the field, but with it a roller coaster of emotions for dandies, um, we will we will close things off for now and uh, take our own well-earned pre-seasons. So uh, I'd like to thank once again Martin Clunas. Thanks as always, Martin. It's been a pleasure. And Richard Hay. Cheers, Martin. You haven't made the, necessarily made the same impact as Barry Robson, but you've had a good, solid start to your your time as uh, as a podcast member. I think. I think you, you've taken us up from the relegation zone into a top three yourself. Well done. Well done. Wow. But very generous if you say so. Um, on 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 that note, that just leaves me to say uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to our grumps and groans for another season. We'll look forward to seeing you all again in preparation for next season. And as ever. Come on, you reds.